welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. If you are a guest today, welcome. There are guest information cards just located just outside in the, uh, the sanctuary doors in the North X. Please fill one out and drop it off in the box in the offering plate. And thank and look forward to uh, connecting with us. We look forward to connecting with you. I'm sorry. Our pastor, our senior pastor. Reverend Alex Shipman continues his sabbatical. Uh, if you have questions or concerns, please contact the elders. And reminder, nursery is open today. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by using the link on our webpage at www.enterthevillage.net backslash give or by mailing a check to our address at 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after service, dropping your offering off in the designated area of the back of the sanctuary. Village Kids and Youth Group meet today after worship. Lunch is provided. This is their last meeting for this quarter. On November 8th, a women's Bible study, an inductive study of the, of the Gospel of John, starting at 6.30 p.m. And November 10th, the second Wednesday of the month, is corporate worship. Uh, will be at 8 p.m. on Zoom only. On November 11th, the church office is closed. And on November the 13th, we have a women's Bible study an inductive study of Psalms, and that is at 9 a.m. Uh, save the date, November the 14th. Please join us at, uh, for our celebratory lunch after worship. This is the church's 10th year anniversary. Please look, at, look for a poll that will come out in the next few days, which will help us to estimate the number of people who will attend. Uh, everyone is invited. And we have a ministry, uh, a women's ministry Friendsgiving. Uh, the date is scheduled for Wednesday, November the 17th at 6 p.m. Uh, the host is Jessica Williams. The location is 604 River Landing Boulevard, Southwest Madison, Alabama, 35756. There is an email that went out via Flock Notes. It has a, an RSVP link. So please RSVP for this event. And if you have questions, please see Jessica Williams, Amanda Cook, or Tyler Pierce uh, if you have any questions about friend giving. And thank you very much. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I hope you are enjoying your day so far. And that it's not, uh, it has not been too hectic or Flooded with the uh, goings on and getting prepared to come to worship on Sunday morning. Um, but maybe you maybe you had a fabulous morning, and maybe it was a little crazy, or maybe you had a fabulous week, but you got to the end of the week and just went, "Oh my goodness, what?" Um, I got to Thursday. I told my husband. Yesterday, I got to Thursday evening and even Friday morning and just looked back and went, oh my goodness, what what happened with the week? And just feeling really um, <laughs> disoriented and anxious about some things. 
resonates with you. Uh, I just invite you, us all right now, to just take a few moments um, before the Lord and just talk to him. You know, this is not a let's take a moment of silence. No, like this is your time to um, cast your cares at his feet or even just say, Lord, I thank you. So I'll give you a few moments to do that in silence. Have a little time to just fill your heart with the Father. out of the depths and did not let my enemies float over me. Oh Lord, my God, I call to you for help and you healed me. Oh Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pits. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name for his anger lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Oh Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was the Lord, I cry for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction and my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your full, your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul.
whatever the over is. Aren't you glad he continues to be with you? He is our Emmanuel. He is with us. So no matter what we're dealing with, he's right there. And his, in his favor, and Psalm says his favor camps about us like a shield. Amen. If you would please stand for our call to worship. It is taken from the song, Glorious Christ. Please join with me where it notes congregation. You are the glorious Christ, the greatest of all delights. Your power is unequaled, your love beyond all heights. No greater sacrifice than when you lay down your life. We join the song of angels who praise you day and night. Glorious Christ. Amen. Okay, we've got a new song this morning. Just repeat, okay? Just, it's call and response, so just repeat what I say.
Will you help me lift him up today? He's holy. He's mighty. He's worthy of the glory. He is worthy of the highest praise, whether I feel like it or not. But do I believe it? You may be seated. Confession of Faith this morning is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And for all the kiddos out there under age 20, <laughs> there's a big word we're using this morning, this question. It's called decrees. If you think of a plan instead of decrees, you might understand this question. So ask your parents when you get home what this is all about, okay? Our question today is, and you'll answer accordingly, what are the decrees of God? He's of God, or his eternal plan, according to the purpose of his will, which for his own glory he has foreordained whatever comes to pass in such a manner in no way author of sin. Amen. He has a plan, and we're part of it. Praise God.
thank you, worship team, for leading us in that. Y'all are just awesome. Thank you so much. Our scripture reading comes from Ecclesiastes. Before I do that, I want to, if you haven't already, introduce our guest uh, preacher today, Benny Athey. He's the RUF minister at UAH. Just so much, I can't see where you are. Oh, you're back there. Okay. So much appreciate you coming, and this helps Alex out tremendously for you and the other guest preachers to come. It's just so much appreciated, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say. So the scripture comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I like that Benny included uh, chapter 11, I mean verse 11, because that's one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes, because this verses talk about how we all go through seasons in our lives, and yet God has set eternity in our hearts. And so those two things together really uh, say something to me. So I look forward to what Benny has to say about this. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there is an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to a worker from that in which he toils? I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate to its, in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, it is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There's nothing to add to it. There's nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which is has already, and that which will be has already been. For God seeks what has passed by. The word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, it is so true that each of us, as we go through our lives, go through seasons. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Yet you have put eternity in our hearts. You hold us in the palm of your hand. There is not a hair that falls from our head that you do not see. So while the seasons may change, you remain forever. You do not change. We just thank you so much, Lord, that your hand is on us as we move through this life. Recognizing that, as we just sung, worthy is the Lamb, that apart from the blood of Christ on us, there would be no hope. But because of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, we now have hope. We now have life eternal with you. Thank you, Father. Father, as I just think about our congregation, I recognize that we truly are broken people coming together. Each of us has our own issues, yet we are united in Christ. You don't just draw us to you. You also draw us to each other in you. So, Father, we just cry out to you 
This is not always easy to do. Yet we recognize, just like in Revelation 7-9, that you draw people from every nation, tongue, and tribe into this place here under your hand. So help us, Father. And I do pray for those who are suffering, whether it be from loss of job or loss of relationship or health. Father, that your hand would be on them, that you would give them a peace beyond understanding, and that you would guide them into the way that you have them go. I do pray for Vinny as he comes to deliver the word that you've given him for us, that you would allow him to be able to step out of the way and let your spirit speak through him directly to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. morning. I love that y'all actually talk back. Marcus uh, Nobles at RUFNM came and did large group Monday night and was just ragging on me afterwards. He kept trying to talk to the students. They were just like, what do we do? We have no idea what to do. So I appreciate that. Um, I, yeah. Uh, I'm Vinny Ampey, RUF, UAH. Glad to be here with y'all. My family's actually able to come uh, today as well. So my wife, Molly, in the back. Reese with the red hair, and then Hazel uh, in the nursery. It's like one and a half years old, so we're glad to be here. If you don't know much about RUF, that's okay. That's normal, but it's the campus ministry sent out by this denomination, Presbyterian Church in America, and we're kind of like the food truck of the PCA. We go set up shop on campus and give them some of the main ingredients of the church, but not not the whole meal, so to speak. That's kind of what we're doing. Uh, it's been fun to work uh, alongside Amanda as well. Inner varsity, so we're happy to be here. I'm, like you said as well, just happy to help out in whatever way I can for Alex, whatever small way. Uh, pastors need breaks. I'm glad that he's been able to uh, have one, and I heard extend it by a little bit, so that's good. Good on you too, just supporting that. So this morning we're gonna be in Ecclesiastes. Why in the world are we in Ecclesiastes? Well, to be honest, one of the reasons was I talked to Amos probably a couple weeks ago, and I was like, what have y'all been preaching on recently? And he was like, we've been in Matthew probably forever. And so I was like, okay, let's just do a curveball. Let's go like something completely different. And so that was honestly part of why I wanted to be in Ecclesiastes, but also just because I think this is a passage we all can relate to, and I think God will have something uh, for us this morning. So let me pray before we get into it. Our Father in heaven, uh, We thank you for this word. Lord, uh, words are going to come out of my mouth today, but we need you to speak. Lord, we're all going through something um, in this room, uh, whether it's sickness, I can relate with that with my own family, Um, whether it's things with relationships, with work. We bring a lot into this room uh, this morning, Lord, so we need uh, the help of your spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So this passage uh, clearly is about seasons. What what kind of comes to mind when you hear that word seasons? There's there's kind of the obvious, right? The the four seasons right now. We're even entering this holiday season with lots of family and feasting. Hopefully, friends. It's a really sweet time for many. Also, it can be a hard time as well. Uh, think of TV shows, different seasons. Some of your favorites. I know. Uh, I sort of lost my mind, like lots of white millennial dads, upon hearing that Ted Lasso season two was coming out. It was great, great time watching that. I personally, when I think of seasons, I naturally think of sports. I grew up in a sports family, and I grew up in the D.C. area, uh, which means, well, in my lifetime, we've been pretty terrible for the most part. So the beginning of a season kind of represents this hope, like this fresh start of like, okay, maybe things are going to be different this year for the Washington professional football team, and they never are. But I'm with them. And you're not allowed on the bandwagon if we actually get good. Um, I know that's a big deal here in Alabama as well. I was told when I first moved here that I needed to pledge allegiance to either Auburn or Alabama, which I did not do. I refused to do. It felt like a deal with the devil. So for me, that's a big deal. 
Um, when we think about seasons in this way, though, the ways I just described, a lot of those things are, are really kind of, they make sense to us. They're pretty neat. There's a timeline to them. I think there's a sense of security and comfort when we think about the rhythms of different seasons, things we know are going to come back over and over and over again. They kind of make sense to us in a lot of ways. I think uh, in our lowest moments, sometimes we wish that our lives kind of operated like some of our favorite sitcoms, uh, where there's there's just characters and stability, and things just seem sort of ordinary and simple. But of course, we know that's ridiculous, and uh, I think that's probably why we go to them as an escape sometimes, because we like that stability and comfort, but we know that life doesn't work that way. Uh, Ecclesiastes, one of the major things that it's trying to communicate from the author Solomon is that life, so much of it is lived uh, in the mist. I think that's a good image to think about when we think about Ecclesiastes. You're sort of walking in this mist. You can't really see that far ahead of you or the either side of you. Mist is not something you can grab onto. It so often feels not tangible at all. And, and we walk and we move forward in life in this mist, and sometimes it feels like it's going on and on and on with no clear direction or clear end to maybe the season that you're already in. This is why a lot of people just kind of give up, get nihilistic, or just like, what's the point? What, what does it matter anyway? Things don't seem to be changing. So this morning, we're going to join Solomon. And in, in just kind of the search for understanding uh, the seasons of life, all that comes to pass and the time which they do. And, and the question I want us to look at is how do we make sense of the different seasons in our, in our lives? Like how do we actually grasp this in any way as we, we move forward in life in the midst? I want to look first at the first eight verses, just looking at the seasons. Really, this is a poem. Uh, you might be familiar with some of these verses. Maybe you heard them read at you know, weddings, things like this, or maybe you see it on Instagram with a really pretty calligraphy, because th- these are just, honestly, uh, verses with a lot of sweetness in them. It's talking about being born, giving birth, laughing, dancing, embracing, peace, like, like these things we all kind of crave and want, these sweet moments and memories that are just sort of common to everybody. And these first eight verses are a poem again, right? Th- this is not meant to be like some riddle that we're all supposed to figure out together that's really solvable, though lots of people have done that throughout history. It's not like it actually even goes in order. And because it's a poem, uh, I'll just say up front, there is tons of depth in this passage. We cannot even begin to plumb the depths of what's going on in these verses we're going to read today. Uh, but we're going to give a little bit of a try. But the reason that these eight verses are not solvable is because we all know this is not how life works. It's not like this puzzle that neatly goes together. It's not predictable. We're not robots. And so Solomon's um, really just giving us this this broad stroke of the seasons that we're going to encounter in life. And I would almost, it might be even more accurate to say the, the seasons that are going to come upon us, whether we want them to or not. I know for this church, I know a little bit about y'all's story. I know it's been a doozy the last couple of years. I know there are things even personally in your life, that there's no way in the world you would have chosen uh, to come upon you. And yet they do. These seasons come upon us. And so one of the, the common threads in these first eight verses is that there are all sorts of things in life that we have no control over. Whether we, uh, you know, especially in a town like Huntsville, let's be honest, we like to think that we have control. I Personally, that's me. I'm kind of a control freak. But it really exposes us when we realize, no, a lot of these things just come upon us, whether we want them to or not. And so I don't want to go through every single line of this poem, but uh, let's just look at a few that highlight our lack of control. Verse 2, depending on your translation, it says to either give birth or to be born uh, in a time to die. Um, it's funny even thinking about this a little bit comically, but like my daughter Hazel, when she was born a year and a half ago, she was not consulted when she was born, you know, she, she did not want to be born when she was born. She would have rather stayed in the safety of the womb, right? No control there. Think about verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Uh, we maybe would like to think we have control over when we laugh or cry, but isn't it the case that so often the times that we do, it comes out of nowhere. 
the hardest times you even laugh in your life. So often it, it just hits you out of the blue. You feel like sucker punched by it. Verse 5 is a great example for right now, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Like, we don't even know what to do with that right now. Like, for a while, it was like, we can't hug, we can't handshake, whatever. Now, I've noticed a lot of guys are moving to the fish, fist bump, but it's just, it's just confusing. Verse 7, time to keep silence, time to speak. It's been harder than ever right now to know when to say something and when to stay silent, when to uh, answer the fool according to their folly, and when to not even get into it. And maybe even more than that, when we do speak to really know how to maintain the posture of Christ, the tone of Christ, what that actually looks like in the middle of conflict, and speaking to evil and injustice and whatever else. Looking at these verses, I think one topic we have to address before moving on are things like verse 3, a time to kill, time to heal. Verse 8. Uh, a time to love, time to hate, time for war, time for peace. And we have to talk about this because it really does bring up the, the problem of evil, probably the biggest question you could ever kind of ask. The, uh, the, one of the m- major objections to Christianity throughout history, why would a good God, a loving God, allow these types of things to happen in our world? Of course, we can't say everything on this, but uh, we do know verse 11 tells us that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's actually appointed a time for all these different types of things to happen. And yet, as we read earlier in the confession of faith, he's also at the same time, not the author of sin. He's not. But the question, and I've wrestled with this with college students the last five years, they really get hung up on this and it's fair, but like if he has the power to stop this, prevent these sorts of things, why in the world would he just sit there and let it happen? It's frustrating. Short answer, do I understand this? No. I don't. Can any of us understand this? No. Uh, But it is foolish to reject God on this basis. It just is. Uh, If we really pare this down, I mean, we're kind of left with a couple things. On the one hand, this takes a lot of faith. We can accept that there might be a God who created us that's chosen to not give us all the answers. That if he did, it would just be too much for us to bear. Too much for us. But if we don't take that route, it gets real sad really quick. Because this is not a cosmic accident. What's happening this morning is not a cosmic accident. You're left also with the potential reality that we don't have a personal God who actually doesn't care that we're left alone. He's not a control. And that's terrifying, because if you're in that place, you have to come up with your own meaning. And that's not where you want to be. Thankfully, elsewhere in Scripture gives us guidance here. Ephesians 1.11 tells us he works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things, every season, every little detail of your life. You think of some common examples in Scripture. Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. And then over time, his brother is coming back, pleading for mercy. So what do we do? And you remember Joseph says, do not fear. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. That's a staggering statement at the end of Genesis. Then Job, another famous example, suffered the worst of the worst and is complaining to God as any of us would have done. And you remember what God says to him. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. There's some heat there. Some heat. How could you possibly know what I'm doing, Job? (laughs) You can imagine Job being in that situation. It's a tough day. We can't see the whole picture, but that doesn't mean God will not make things beautiful in his time. It also doesn't mean that loss and pain and suffering are okay. They're not. But at the same time, this is the tension that we live in. This is the tension that's being laid out in these first eight verses. These seasons that come upon us that we would not choose for ourselves whatsoever. This is true of all of us. This is true of me. (laughs) Things have happened that have changed you deeply. (laughs) 
but just because they have doesn't mean God isn't good or he's not in control. Doesn't mean that. We don't have the whole picture. See, what's happening is as we go throughout life, these different seasons we're entering through that come upon us, they're being intricately weaved into something that we cannot see yet. It's kind of like watching one of those confusing movies, maybe a Christopher Nolan movie or something like that, where all along you're just kind of confused. You're walking through the mist. You're like, what in the world is happening? And then at the very end, boom, you get something way bigger and better than you could have ever thought or known. So I'll ask you all, as I ask myself this, is this frustrating to you? (laughs) It should be. It is frustrating. But one of the things Ecclesiastes is asking all of us to do, the people of God, the people of faith, is to reconsider our stance toward life in a large way. Because trying to control everything, trying to understand everything, trying to make our own paths smooth throughout life is too big of a thing for anybody in this room. We like to think that our, that our efforts for security, for safety, are going to make our paths smooth, and they're just not. If our hope is truly in the Lord, it's going to be a lot rockier than that. God actually designed it that way because he wants us to live in dependence. He actually knows what's best for us. That's what I want to secondly look at today, looking at who God is, the sustainer of life. Not simply his hand, what he's giving us, the seasons he's giving us in life, but really looking at his heart, who he is for us. Now, if you've ever read through the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the things you'll notice is is kind of weird, but there's a lack of explicit references to God. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but this is not one of those places. As Solomon considers the seasons of life and how to make sense of them, uh, this is his conclusion. I want to pick it up, uh, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so, sorry, getting old already. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. His gift. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken away from it. God has done has done it so that the people fear before him. Okay, so what is he saying here? Uh, this is kind of a big statement. Um, He's saying that God's purposes for the events of this world are eternal, which means he doesn't actually experience time in the same way that we do. 2 Peter 3.8 tells us that for God, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. He can see the beginning and the end as if he's looking at one single canvas and able to make sense of all of the events of history. He can see it all at once, which is mind-blowing for any of us. But at the same time, he's also chosen not to reveal that canvas to us right now. One of the verses I'm thankful for is Deuteronomy 29, 29, that says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. There are things that he tells us, things that he doesn't. And so what Solomon says, if that's actually true, the best thing that we can do right now is to be joyful and do good as long as we live. This does not mean to be happy all the time in a cheap sort of fake sense, Uh, but at the same time, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. This is Christ alive in us, working in us by the Spirit. It doesn't mean to be happy all the time. That would be weird, actually, if you were happy all the time, especially the way the last couple years have been. It would be strange. But at the same time, we also are to live with that joy and gratitude, and still be able to see life as a gift, even when it doesn't feel like it. Even right now, whether we realize it, life is a gift. That so often we just need a different shift of perspective to be able to enjoy more, enjoy God more, enjoy his gifts, who he is for his people. I know for me, constantly, this lack of contentment shows up by me just demanding more, (laughs) something else maybe. And God all along is just kind of saying, hey, this is a gift. Can you not see? For all of us, where, where are you blind to the gifts that God's giving you right now? We're, we're so prone to veer one way or the other. 
And God's saying, there's a gift. Everything, even the small things. I think about this dynamic uh, from time to time with my kids. Uh, Reese is about to be four, and Hazel's about one and a half. And this is going to be kind of weird, but hang with me. I don't know if you've read these studies, but they've done studies on the the brains of infants and toddlers. And they've realized that the way their brain chemistry works is pretty similar to adults who are taking hallucinatory drugs. (laughs) And so, in other words, colors are really vivid to them. Uh, The the way they experience different things uh, is just on a different level. They're not jaded. They're not hardened to the world yet. And so that's why so often you see the excitement of kids, which is so magnetic and energizing and being around kids it just does something to us you know telling reese and hazel that we're about to go get in the car that like they just they think they're going to disney world every day we're just going to the park like there's just that excitement pointing out every single thing like look how cool it is right now it's training for reese train track like we just we don't pay any money we just go to the depot it's like the best thing of all time I love watching that, though, that, that contentment, the, the, the presence, uh, attention to life and what's happening right in front of us. There's a lot for us as we, we think about something like this with kids, reminding us to, to look up from our phones and see life how it actually is, to look up from our, our circumstances so often and, and experience the gifts that are also present, that God is with us and present with us each moment. This passage is reminding us that, I mean, really, each moment matters. Each season matters. R.C. Sproul wrote this article years back called Right Now Counts Forever. It's a pretty obvious point, but it's something I know I need to be reminded of, need to be reminded of all the time, which is, you know, what you do right now, how you are experiencing God's gifts in your life, or finding satisfaction or not finding satisfaction in them is the most important thing right now. And this is always true. So that's true right now. That's true this afternoon. That's true tomorrow. That's true during Thanksgiving. And so often we're just out of tune with that. I know I am. And the reason, though, uh, that experiencing what we're experiencing right now matters the most is because it's a matter of eternity. These are eternal matters. We read God's plans are eternal and therefore We have to trust him and fear him, knowing he's in control. When you think about fear, you know, don't get hung up. It's not this sort of dreading, sort of anxious, sort of like, if I messed up, I'm about to get spanked, about to get hit by the God of the universe. Uh, No, we're talking more about like this tremendous respect and earnestness that a a child might have for for their parent, wanting to please them because they love them. And knowing that that relationship is based in security and love and not, uh, not punishment. That's the type of fear we're talking about with God. And so if this is the God that we have, if God is actually in control, this is actually really good news. Because it means that we don't have to control everything in our life. We don't have to be, <laughs> feel guilty about the things that we can't control. We don't have to feel guilty about being frustrated a lot by the things we see around us and wishing things would change or be better. Eternity has been put on your hearts, reminding us constantly that we're not home yet. We cannot fully be at peace because we're not at home. We know this isn't it. We feel that ache. In fact, if we get a little, if we're feeling a little bit too much at home, Right now, we're probably caught in the American dream. Probably not a good place to be. We're not home, but yet in Christ, we're invited into the story of eternity. Something so much better where God's times and seasons are now ours that will one day be realized in full. I love Galatians 4, 4, where it says, but when the fullness of time had come, the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. 
It was his plan since forever to come at just the right time to redeem a people through his death and resurrection, to invite us into a season of forever where one day all things will be made right. No more tears, no more crying. It'll be good. And it's never going to end. And now we wait. Seeking, I think, in our best moments to live with this type of gratitude that we're talking about today. Appreciating each season, even when it feels impossible. Because it all matters. Knowing that God will make every detail of your life beautiful in its time. Every tear matters. Every long day at work where you're angry with your boss or coworkers and you just want to quit. Every changing of a diaper matters. Every relationship, every time your heart is full, every time it's empty, it all means something. One day it will all make sense. It's a gift. Stay present with what God's doing in your life in this season, whatever that may be this morning, sustaining you, giving you this community, giving you himself. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord, I thank you that you are good, that you are in control, you are powerful over the seasons, over the world, and even over the details of our lives. God, I thank you that you love to give your children good gifts. Lord, give us eyes to see the things in our lives the way that you do. Give us perspective, uh, Lord, and ultimately give us the grace of Jesus where we need it, where we're hurting where there's longing in our hearts, where there's aches in our hearts. Lord, be near us in this season, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand with us.